0: Thank you, Pastor. It's my privilege to be here with you. We've come uh, by way of eastern Canada through South Africa. So, as you know, uh, traveling these days is a real challenge. So, we've left ourselves plenty of time to get everywhere we need to go just in case we need a swab stuck up our nose or something like that (laughs) um, for our trouble. We did spend uh, several days in Montreal quarantined in a hotel, so... Um, We didn't get a t-shirt to prove that we were there, but uh, we have done it just about all of it. So we're grateful to be here with you. We've looked forward to this. In fact, we were driving to church this morning, and we were commenting. It's been a conversation in our family. Our trip to Minnesota has been a a conversation in our family for many, many, many months. And on the way here, Noah said, Wow, it seems kind of weird <laughs> to be actually here driving to church in Minnesota. And I said, uh, "Yes, it is. It is unusual, but here we are." And so we're grateful to you. We're grateful to God for your support and the prayers of God's people for the conversations uh, that we have with many of you um, online. Even people reach out and uh, on Facebook and in email. So we thank you for that. Let me encourage you to stop at our table at the back. Do pick up a prayer card. I don't know what the latest prayer card you have. Maybe you still have our rookie card, but it's not worth anything. But if you want, you can. I'll trade you a rookie card for our new card. Uh, It has less children on it than the first card we had. We've uh, slowly becoming empty nesters. Noah is still with us. I don't know if he'll ever leave, but he's... No, he's uh, been great to travel with, Uh, we've had a lot of fun together, so if you would just take a card, it's a great tangible reminder of our family and you can remember to pray for us, we would greatly appreciate that as we go back to South Africa, probably Lord willing um, in July once we finish up our furlough, we still have to get to the west coast of Canada, then back to the east coast again for a few more meetings before we head back In July. So your prayers are greatly appreciated. Your hospitality has been warm and wonderful, and we're grateful for the opportunity to be here. We can talk more about South Africa throughout the week as we meet together, but for now, let's turn our attention to the Word of God. There are a few chapters in the Bible that are as focused on faith as Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, It begins with a definition of faith. I'll never forget when I was a youth pastor, and I was in I'm going to date myself a bit here, but I was a youth pastor in uh, the late 90s. And when I was with the teens, I said, hey, we need to define faith. Who understands what faith is? And one of my not-so-well-behaved teenagers in the back of the room put up his hand and said, I know what faith is. I said, yeah, what's faith? What's your definition of faith? And I was thinking, this should be good. And he said, well, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I was shocked, and my face probably registered some shock, and I said, that's great, that's a very good definition, in fact, from Hebrews chapter 1. Where did you hear that? Knowing there was no way he read his Bible just before he came to youth group, and he said, well, that's every time they show the show Touched by an Angel, that's how it starts. And so (laughs) I said, well, uh, if that's all he was getting, I suppose it was worthwhile, but... He certainly memorized the definition of faith, and that is how Hebrews begins. It defines faith for us, and then throughout the remainder of the chapter, some 40 verses, there are examples of faith, each drawn from the Old Testament, and these characters, uh, we are told, did what they did by faith. 16 times in the first 30 verses of Hebrews chapter 11, their faith is emphasized, and we don't have time to look at every character in Hebrews chapter 11. In fact, we probably don't have time to look at any character in particular depth. So if you'll forgive me, I'd like to just sort of skim the couple of verses that appear in Hebrews chapter 11 about Abraham. And as we consider a life of faith from faithful Abraham, perhaps we learn something ourselves about faith and maybe even make some application to missions. The life of faith that is required to live as a missionary in today's world. So Hebrews chapter 11, let me read a couple of verses in your hearing. Hebrews chapter 11 verses 8 to 10 reads this way. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith He dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Just two simple points this morning to consider about the life of Abraham. First, let's consider that faith acts in response to God's promises. Faith acts or takes action in response to what God has promised. Consider Abraham. He was living in Ur of the Chaldees. We're not told that in Genesis chapter 12 where we first meet him, but we are told that later on in the New Testament, in the book of Acts. Stephen, as he's preaching in Acts chapter 7, refers to Abraham coming out of Ur of the Chaldees. I think Genesis 15 also, verse 7, refers to Abraham coming out of Ur of the the Chaldees and God comes to Abraham one day in the course of his normal life, and Abraham tells God tells Abraham, "Listen, Abraham, I want you to pack your bags, and I want you to go and journey to a land that I will show you, and I'll make promises to you. I promise you will." be built into a great nation. I promise there'll be lots of land for your descendants. I promise that your descendants will be as the sand of the seashore and as the stars of the heaven for number. And Abraham, I promise that I will bless you, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing to all the peoples of planet Earth. It's quite a promise that God makes to Abraham. But with just a few words of a promise, you can read about it in Genesis 12, it's only three verses long. With just a few promises, God makes to Abraham, Abraham obeys. That's what verse 8 tells us. By faith, Abraham obeyed. Faith we often think of as passive, that it receives something. But in fact, faith is also active. Faith does something. It's a verb. And so in Abraham's case, he obeyed. He left where he was and went to a place that he did not know. At 75 years of age, Abraham was expected to move to an unknown, undisclosed location where he was to begin a family, which would become a nation. What would you do in response to a promise like that? Would you be willing to act by faith and go to a place that you knew nothing about? In fact, you maybe didn't even know exactly where it was on a map. And would you be willing to go? Abraham was willing. He went by faith. He obeyed. Now, thankfully, God hasn't promised you a land, and he hasn't promised to make a great nation out of you. Although at a missionary conference, you sometimes wonder... If missionaries, are you trying to make a nation or something? There's so many kids. I mean, there are kids everywhere. You don't have those kind of promises, but you do have promises. The Abrahamic covenant wasn't made with you. I get it. I want to make sure all my dispensational distinctives are lined up here. The promise that God made to Abraham is not a promise for you. But that doesn't mean there aren't promises in the Bible that aren't for you. Because there are plenty of promises in the Bible that are for you. God says he will never leave you or forsake you. How have you acted on that promise? God says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 13 that all who call upon the name of Jesus Christ will be saved. How have you acted on that promise? I've staked my very life on that promise. If the promise of God that he will save is not true then I am of all men most miserable, as the Apostle Paul will tell us. The fact is, if we are here and we know Jesus, if we are here and counting on our faith in Christ to one day arrive us into glory, then our whole life, in fact our very eternal life, has been staked on a particular promise that God has made. That's what faith is. God promises something, and you believe it. And more than just saying you believe it, the very trajectory of your life changes because of the promise. Abraham left, verse 8. By faith Abraham obeyed, when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. Notice the author emphasizes it in the text. And he went out not knowing where he was going. If you met Abraham one day out on your morning walk, you said, hey, Abraham, nice to see you. I don't know how you'd recognize him, but given all the pictures we saw in Sunday school, he probably has long flowing gray hair. And you would talk to him and you would say, Abraham, where are you going? And Abraham would say, I don't really know. I'm not really sure. God has called me. But I'm just walking. I'm not really sure where I'm going. And you would probably leave shaking your head thinking, I don't know if that was Abraham or not, because that's weird. But that's what Abraham was like. He acted in response to God's promise, but he didn't really know where he was going. When our family packed up in St. John New Brunswick, where I'm from, pastored for many years by Paul Fosmark, who has a historical connection to Fourth Baptist. I grew up on stories of Fourth Baptist Church. It's a legendary place in my mind. And uh, to, to be here is amazing to be, you know, at Fourth Baptist Church. I mean, I used to hear stories from the pulpit about Fourth Baptist Church. And now I'm standing here. It's kind of weird. Um, I'm not having an out-of-body experience or anything. It's just one of God's great blessings in, in my life. But when our family left St. John, we left by faith. Now, we had a lot more information than Abraham had. We had airline tickets, we knew where we were going, we had somebody there to meet us when we arrived. But Abraham obeys God's promise by faith, going out when he doesn't even know the place that God has set before him throughout the history of missions, this is why and how people have given their lives in service to God. They have known that God has made certain unassailable promises, and so they have gone out in the face of some of the most difficult and challenging circumstances, armed with only the promise of God, that he would be with them, that he would make a way for them, that he would supply their needs, and so they went. It's not like missions today, you know. We get on a plane, we complain because, oh, we had to fly for 24 hours. I think about these missionaries back at the turn of the last century, and even in the 1800s who went overseas, they packed all their belongings in a coffin, put the coffin on a ship, boarded a ship, waved goodbye to people, and they left. And the reason they packed all their belongings in a coffin is because they did not expect to ever return to the land they went out from. Adoniram Judson was told that the Buddhist Burmese people were virtually unreachable with the gospel. It's impenetrable, he was told. You can go if you want, but it's a fool's errand. You will never reach the Buddhist Burmese for Christ. But Judson went nonetheless. He knew the promise of God in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. It says, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so, armed with that promise that God would save, that the power was in the gospel to save, He went. If people who believe the gospel to be foolish in 1 Corinthians one twenty three, and if people who stumbled at the gospel's message in 1 Corinthians uh, one twenty four, if they could believe, then surely God would do a work among the Buddhist Burmese people. And so Judson went. I think in our lives we spend far too much time waiting for some clear, definitive word from the Lord about every single detail of our life. Sometimes you just have to move by faith. You just have to go because God has set before you a task to do. You may not know all of the details. If I had known when I went to South Africa how sick we would be during our first term there, I might not have gone. My wife has spent more time in the hospital than she has at home. Well, that's maybe an exaggeration, but there were days when it seemed like that. Surgeries and Covid two times. My wife deserves a badge. You know who gets Covid two times? She said Covid twice. Ankle problems. Gallbladders out. Cysts removed. I'm telling you what. There's hardly any wife left. I mean, they keep taking all the pieces out. You know it's it's like that. It was like that. It, I broke my arm ice skating. We first arrived in South Africa. We were there for a few months trying to get our wits about us and. We took a family trip to Cape Town. Somebody said there's an ice rink in Cape Town. Well, that always excites a Canadian and so I said, "Let's go skating, kids." So we piled onto the ice and before my wife had her skates on, I had fallen and shattered my arm in seven places. And so my I'm loaded onto an ambulance, carried to uh it I probably happened because the ice rink was in a casino, but anyway, we we were loaded in a ambulance and taken off to the hospital where I have these metal plates and uh, screws in my arms. Clara, I'll show you later, okay? It's really cool. Um, what I, if I didn't know all those things that were going to befall us, my wife was riding a bike. We were just, She just started riding a bike in South Africa. I mean, she knew how to ride a bike before, but the first time she got on a bike in South Africa, she tore her rotator cuff and went through all kinds of physio for that. And but Baptist Admissions has a great health care plan, by the way. But... <laughs> If I had known all these things were going to befall us when we got to South Africa, I think I might have been tempted to say, Canada's fine for me, thanks. But we went out by faith. We didn't know all that would befall us when we left. We just went. God didn't show me. He didn't tell me all those things. He just directed me to go. And so I went trusting that he would meet our needs. You know that verse in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, that my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus? Do you know that verse is right in a section of verses where a missionary is talking to a church about financial help that he's received from them? So it's not a misapplication when I claim that promise of God that he would meet our needs. And I have to tell you by way of testimony that God has done exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think in South Africa. It has been a wonderful time of ministry, but I want to challenge you. Sometimes faith is required. By faith, Abraham obeyed. Faith acts. It moves with action in response to the promises of God. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents. I would like to consider that faith not only acts in response to God's promise, but faith acts in response to God's promise when that promise takes a long time to come to pass. The the promises of God don't always happen instantaneously in our lives. You know this. If you've been alive and awake on planet Earth for any time at all, you know that the promises of God don't always come to pass immediately when you want them to. Consider Abraham What did we just read in verse 9? He dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents. Abraham lived in a tent. Nothing says, I have faith that this is the land of promise, quite like living in a tent. I always think about Abraham in this regard. Abraham was 75 when he leaves Haran all the goods that he's come to possess and acquire. He leaves Haran and he journeys south into the land of Canaan, in the land of Canaan, if you're South African. He gets down to Canaan and God tells him, this is the land, I'll give you all this land that you see. Now you remember that Abraham disobeys God and he goes down into Egypt for a time, but eventually he ends up back in the land of promise. And the next time we find out how old Abraham is, so You've got to do the math with me. 75 he leaves Haran. He journeys south. He's in that land of promise, and the next time we find out how old he is is in Genesis chapter 16 and verse 16 when we learn that Abraham is 86 years old when Ishmael is born. And Ishmael is born because Abraham's confidence in the promise of God going, coming to pass has wavered a little bit with the help of his wife. Sorry, wives, but he, she helped. Abraham, look. It's been 11 years. We've been living in a tent for 11 years. Oh, the horror. I can't live in a tent for a couple of days. 11 years, people. Abraham has been living in a tent. And Sarah comes and says, I don't know when this promise of God is going to come to pass, but here's the thing. I've got an idea. Maybe You could sleep with my handmaid, Hagar, and she could produce an heir who we could adopt, and he could be our heir. And Abraham's not really keen on the idea, it seems, from the text, but okay, Ishmael is born. But Ishmael is not the son of the promise. And so fast forward to when Abraham is 99, his wife Sarah gets pregnant, and when he's 100, his son is born. So from 75 to 100, that's full 25 years, Abraham has sojourned in the land, living in a tent with no kids, waiting for God's promise to come to pass. That takes faith, people. It takes faith to live that way. And so he's dwelling in the land. Finally, his son is born. And Abraham realizes the full blessing of the promise that God made, right? No. God had promised the land. 25 years in the land, his first child is now born, the son of promise, Isaac. But how much of the land that he's been promised does he actually physically own? He doesn't own any of it. After 25 years, this land that God has promised him, he still doesn't have a title deed to a sliver of that property. The next time we learn about an age in the story that's told is... The death of sarah the wife of abraham in genesis chapter 23 and verse 1 we are told that sarah dies when she is 127 years old sarah is the only woman in the entire bible whose age we know when she died now why would that be why would god tell us how old sarah was when she died because I think God wants us to ponder how long Abraham has been waiting for the promise of God to be realized in his life. 65 years. Abraham's 10 years older than Sarah. So when he's 137, his wife dies, and he goes to Ephron the Hittite. You can read about it. It's a fascinating part of Genesis. He goes to Ephron the Hittite, and he says to Ephron the Hittite, I need a piece of land to bury my wife. And Ephron the Hittite says, oh, it's a very interesting Middle Eastern exchange. I learned all about it in seminary. You'll have to go to seminary to learn about it. But he's sitting there talking with Ephron, and they go through this elaborate ritual, and Ephron says, oh, you can have it. What's a piece of land among friends? Meanwhile, he's doing a cha-ching thing in his head. And Abraham says, oh dear, I would never presume to take a piece of land from you. And blah, blah, blah. And they finally settle on a price. Aren't you glad we don't have to do that anymore? It's easy to just go to Walmart, scan it, pay for it, and get out. But not in the Middle East. There was a much uh, more elaborate ritual. And so Abraham, at age 147, finally owns a family burial plot. I want you to think about this. God promised Abraham... When he was 75 in Haran, God promised him that he would have a land. And when he's 147, 65 years later, the only piece of land that he owns is a burial plot. And the Bible tells us that Abraham's faith did not waver. He continued to believe in God. He continued to believe that God would bring that promise to pass. I'm sure he wasn't quite sure how or quite sure when, But he believed that God's promise would come to pass. He lived like a nomad in a tent, a man without a country for 62 years as he waited for the unfolding of God's promise. How long have you waited? Some people have been praying for unsaved loved ones, which is their little mission field. Some people have been sharing the gospel and praying that they would come to faith in Christ for decades. And maybe, just maybe, your faith is wavering a little bit. You're not so sure about God's promise anymore. Consider faithful Abraham, who after 65 years of waiting, now owns the smallest piece of property in the promised land. When Adoniram Judson began his work with the Burmese Buddhists, it was four years till he baptized his first convert. And not just that... But Judson, after 11 years of ministry, had only 18 people in his church. I'm sure the supporting churches were sitting back saying, hmm, I think we're going to have to cut him. Only 18 people after 11 years? What's going on? Is he not a soul winner or what? You know? But Judson stayed faithful. He just kept pressing on. He's willing to sojourn. Proverbs 24.10 says, If you faint in the day of adversity, your faith is small. As a missionary, there are times when it becomes necessary to just keep going. There are days on the mission field when you just long for somebody else who looks like you. I'd feel bad for that person, but I'm still longing for them. Some days you just think, Does anybody in my life not have an accent? Everybody speaks with an accent. Some days you find yourself speaking with an accent think, what am I doing? I speak Canadian, so you go back to saying out and about. Some days you just want to taste food that's familiar. You'd sell your birthright for a bowl of craft dinner. I know it's hard to believe, but you really do miss that stuff, the yellow death after a while. There are days as a missionary when it feels like, man, I don't know if I can keep going. You'd like to have someone not laugh at your accent or snicker when you try to use their language. You're thinking, okay, I've got this. I can handle Afrikaans. And so you step out and you say something in Afrikaans and the people say, what? And you say it again. And they don't understand, clearly. So you revert back to English and you think, I'm never speaking Afrikaans again. (laughs) There are days like that on the mission field, but... People of faith, they sojourn, they keep going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promises in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Did you catch that? Isaac and Jacob? Ah. This is the unfolding of God's promise. It's taken Abraham literally a half a lifetime he lives to be 140, he leaves for Canaan when he's 75, so almost half a lifetime. And now he has a grandson. And the unfolding of God's promise just begin to flower ever so little. But Abraham dies, and you ask yourself, well, I don't understand. He didn't see the full realization of God's promise, and you remember that that was okay. Why was it okay? Because in verse 10, he waited for the city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Abraham was able to live this life of faith, not because he got out there on the field and said, I'm staying here, I don't care what, and grit his teeth. and That wasn't Abraham. Abraham had an eternal perspective. He looked beyond his circumstances and his situation. He looked beyond this long time that it seemed to be taking for God to do all that he had promised. He just stayed where God put him and did what God said in front of him to do each day. And he didn't concern himself with the full realization of the promise because he trusted that God would bring it to pass even if it happened after he was gone. He had an eternal perspective. We go church planting in South Africa. The other missionaries who are here, they plant churches around the world. They're not sure exactly what's going to happen with that church. They don't know all the future, but they live by faith. They do what God has given them to do. And if they die and go to glory without seeing all the fullness of what God put them on the field to do... They just trust God because they're looking from a different perspective. They're looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. They're not earthbound in their perspective. And that's what I think the life of faith is, particularly for a missionary. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23, it says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. When your faith wavers, remember God is faithful. When you feel like, I can't do this anymore, and there are days on the mission field, as I'm sure there are days in Minneapolis, or Plymouth, Minnesota, I'm sure there are days when you feel like, I just can't live this life of faith anymore. Remember, God is faithful. He keeps His promise. And keep on living that life of faith, because you have a faithful God. I don't know if God has the mission field in your future. I don't know how God is working in your heart or moving in your life. But a life of faith is a life that acts in response to God's promise. It moves forward in response to God's promise. And then Never forget, yes, faith acts in response to God's promise, but it also acts in response to God's promise even when it's taking a long time for God's promise to come to pass. And if you live that kind of life, the life of faith that Abraham lived, God will bless you. He may bless you long after you're gone, but it won't matter to you because you'll be looking for a city whose builder is God. You'll simply be able to trust him day by day living a life of faith pastor you want to come and close i'll pray perhaps and then you can come and close as you see fit father thank you for your faithfulness to us you have led us you have guided us there were certainly times we did not understand what was next we did not know what was ahead But through your faithfulness, you sustained us. And Lord, when our faith has been weak and when it has wavered, and it has, your faithfulness has stepped in and carried us through. And so we thank you for that. Work in hearts, Lord, those who live a life of faith here. May they be obedient to what you set before them to do, trusting you for the results. And we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name.